Praise the Lord. It's a good evening that we are gathered again. Let's bow down and pray. Father, in the mighty name of the Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you. We glorify your holy name. May you be glorified this evening. Thank you for the message that you have given to us. And as we share briefly your word, I invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us individually, to speak to our inner being, that we may come to the knowledge of the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the eternal life. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Praise the Lord. I want to share briefly on the subject of this is eternal life. I believe we have had a lot of ministration from what the children have presented. And mine is just to crown it up and to share a few thoughts in addition to what has been shared with us. I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 6, verse 16. John, chapter 6, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This evening I want to remind each one of us of this season which I'm sure everybody's preparing for. Thousands and billions of shillings are going to be spent purchasing gifts and celebrating in one way or another the event and the season of Christmas. But little thought is given to the purpose or the reason why we are celebrating. It's all fun and fun and fun. But I want to call to you tonight just to reflect over this season and begin to ask yourself a few questions concerning the purpose for why God had to send his only begotten son. Each one of us desires to have a child and the moment we have children, we cherish them so much. We love them so much. But this God decided that this only begotten son should be given in exchange for something. That was your soul and my soul. I don't know how much you have reflected over that because it puzzles me how the creator of the universe did not think of an alternative solution, but decided that the best that he had had to be given for your state. 
That means God loves you so much, God loves me so much, and he wanted you to see the value that he attaches to your soul. That's the very message, especially the final skits that we have watched, I've been relaying to you. And I want us to go through life now, briefly, and just share a few things, about four things about life, and see why God had to send his son, and the reason why he wants us to have this eternal life. In Mark 4, 35 to 41, Mark 4, 35 to 41, we read about a, a story, something that happened when Christ had been ministering. And it says, on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Many of us, as we sit here now, there are various storms in life that we are experiencing. And sometimes we ask ourselves, what is life all about? And if, as, as though to add an injury to an insult, uh, Kenneth comes and says, you need to have eternal life. So you are asking yourself, if what I'm going through right now means this, why should I live eternally, experiencing the same? But I want to say there is more to what Christ said about eternal life than just experiencing problems. The first thing I want us to know is that storms are there in life, and storms usually come immediately after a successful experience. So life is up and down, and such an experience always, after victory, you find you are facing a challenge in life. But that does not mark the end of a storm in life. I want us to look at one of the storms that people go through in life, and that is living as an accused person. Living as an accused person. John 8, 12, John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have life, light of life. It is instructive that Christ is speaking this immediately after a woman 
who had been accused of adultery had been brought to him, and everybody wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him. So, thank you. And so, this is a woman who is accused. But Jesus says, no, this woman does not deserve to die because she's not the only one who has committed this sin. I want to make it a bit interesting to you that you know the Bible says Jesus started writing down in the soil. And somebody said one day that the, it, it was the men who, was, who were holding stones. And they said, this woman is an adulterous woman. This woman is an adulterous woman. And they wanted to stone. All they were seeking was the approval of Jesus Christ. So he started writing in the, in the clay and had said to them, whoever has not sinned, throw the first stone. And somebody said a very interesting thing. That he started writing down and he was writing the names of the men who had had an affair with this woman. So when he wrote John, John who was holding the stone, decided to drop the stone and walked away. When he wrote Matthew, the Matthew who had also committed sin with the woman, realized he was also in sin, he walked away. I want to tell you today, the storm of being accused in life or accusing yourself must come to an end so that you may have eternal life. I don't know what kind of accusation you have labeled against yourself. I don't know what you've gone through in life that makes you feel guilty every time. Jesus is saying he is setting you free because you'll no longer be under any accusation. He wants to set you free so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The second storm that people go through is that of ignorance, that of lack of assurance. John 14, 5, 6. John 14, 5 and 6, it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Many people are religious in this world. They appear to know where they are going. Just like Thomas, he was very close to Jesus Christ. They walked for about three years. And everybody who looked at the crowd would have assumed that Thomas knows where he is going. But it came to a time that Jesus Christ was trying to teach them and was trying to explain to them that it was important for him to live. And Thomas soon realized he had been walking with Jesus without understanding where he was going. I don't know what your state, your religious state is. Probably you have been going to church. You have been posing as somebody who understands what you are doing. But somewhere along the line, there is a, 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 your conscience is questioning you. Do you really know, have you really committed yourself to this Christ? That is the question that was being posed to us. Because many people do many things in this world, and they assume those things are going to justify their entry to heaven, so that they may live with Christ for eternity. But I want to ask you today, 
like Thomas, came to realize. Have you realized where you truly are in relation with God? Do you know where your life is leading you to go this very evening? If there was a fire breakout like it was in this play, and it was that all of us have got to die, will you be crying out for somebody to save you because you have realized that your hope is no more there? That what you have been believing was just built on quicksand. I want to challenge you tonight. My brother, my sister, it's time for you to review, to review, to reevaluate your life again and ask yourself, am I truly in right, walking right with God? I want to look at a third storm again. John 10, 14. John 10, 14. Lacking a shepherd, John 10, 14, it says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you know God? I want you to pause and ask yourself, do you truly know God? Or do you just know what people say about God? Do you truly know God? And when I say, do you know God? I mean, do you have a personal relationship with him? Can you stand and say, yes, this is the God I believe in. I am ready to walk with him. I am ready to meet the challenges of life with him. Or is it that when it will come to a time, you will realize that you truly didn't have a relationship with him and you've got to look for your plan B. Peter thought... He had known God. Peter thought he had a good relationship with Jesus Christ. But when the time for testing came, Peter denied he did not know Christ. Until something later happened to Peter, then he was now ready to die for Christ. Because now he had had a proper understanding of his relationship with God. Do you have a personal relationship with God that you can stand and say, yes, God. I know you. Yes, Jesus Christ, I know you. I can stand and face the trials and the storms of life because I know in whom I have believed. If you are in doubt tonight, make a reflection over your life and consider your ways so that you may have a proper relationship with God. And that will mean you are forming a foundation for eternal life. And lastly, Living in self-deception. Living in self-deception. John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is possible when at this time Jesus Christ is talking to the Jews, they knew they were Jews, they were select people, and that Abraham was their father. And the problem they had at this point, when Christ, who was there before Abraham, was trying to identify himself to them, they could not recognize him. Why? Because there was self-deception, that they had known God, they had a good relationship with God, because they were the children of Abraham. When indeed, their relationship was just superficial. 
It wasn't deep enough to sustain a relationship with God. It wasn't deep enough to tap into what God had for them, the promises that God had for them. And that is why we are posing a question. Do you know your God? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Do you have eternal life? Because knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ, is eternal life. That is what the Bible says. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that is eternal life. Because God did not want to give you healing, and then again the next day give you uh, deliverance, and then the next day give you something else. No. He gave Jesus Christ because this was a single package in which he knew all our issues of life were being addressed. So when you receive Jesus Christ, every other issue that you are, you're facing as a challenge in your life is met in this one man, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And that is why we will end this evening by just reminding ourselves John 17, verse 3, which forms the theme of this year's outreach. It says, let's start from verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Tonight, I pray that as we leave this place, each one of us will have reflected over the few words that we have shared and will come to the understanding that you need to have a deeper understanding of who Christ is. That will begin to usher in eternal life into you. Praise the Lord. You will begin to experience what eternal life really means. Rather than seeking one or two things from God, and hoping that those ones are going to meet your needs, and therefore you will begin to experience eternal life. No, you want one man. I say, when I was growing up, there was something that was called procaine. Now, don't, don't tax me on this, because I'm not a medic. But I know when I was growing up, there was a medicine called procaine. I don't know whether it still exists these days. But every time you went to the hospital, they were injected, they give you something, procaine. You had a wound, they put that procaine. It was answering all medical issues in that time of ignorance. Praise the Lord. But now medicine has advanced. There are many other prescriptions. But I want to say God has given you a spiritual procaine in Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. Shall we stand up as we pray? I don't know if there is any of us in here who feels that you should you would want to have Christ as a personal savior in your life. If there is any, let's, our eyes, let's shut our eyes and bow down our, our heads. If there is anybody who would like to recommit his life with, to Christ, we pray that you may raise up your hand, please. Anybody who would like to commit his life to Christ? Anybody who wants to say, Jesus Christ, I've been searching for a solution. But now I realize I need a relationship with you that is lasting, that will make the basis of eternal life in my life. Anyone? 
So let's bow down and pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us. As you continue to convict us over this word, I pray, my Father, that you shall continue to water it in the hearts of men, and God, your conviction shall be heavy upon those that you have targeted tonight. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God bless you so much.